0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to daily bread a bit of a unique show today there's not a whole lot happening in terms of news at the moment or at least the last few days and uh, the market's just been choppy so instead of doing a normal show where i talk about like news and coins and whatever which i always do i wanted to uh have potentially what may be a new series, I'm not sure, it may just be this one episode or maybe whenever things are slow, I make a bit of a new series, uh, where instead of talking about like specific trades or anything that I'm taking, it's more just along the lines of uh, talking about trading lessons, principles, crypto uh, concepts, whatever, Um, and just kind of Talking broad stuff instead of just like specific, oh, I'm buying this coin and this is why I like it, you know, that type of thing. Um, But if you want my coins, you can go to the last episode I talked about a bunch of stuff. I'm pretty much in the same stuff. I haven't got anything new from last week. Um, And I think I'm going to call it Reminisces of a Crypto Operator. All right. That's what this potential series may be called. which is a reference to the book "Reminiscences of a Stock Operator." If you've ever read it, which is a famous, famous trading book. If you haven't read it, you should definitely check it out. A lot of people have. Um, it's 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 based on Jesse uh, Livermore, who is one of the original traders back in the was it in the in the nineteen like tens and twenties, like basically early early last century. I don't remember exactly. It's been a few years since I read the book, but. Um, Jesse Livermore, a famous uh, trader. He kind of was one of the original momentum trading pioneers. Anyways, you can look him up if you know who he is, and you should read the book. But anyways, I thought I would do a play on that. And the whole book is just basically him talking about you know, his life as a trader and uh, all the things he learned from trading. And uh, I thought it would be fun to do that for crypto and just all the things that are kind of good to know. And some of them are going to be broader concepts. Some of them are going to be very specific things. And it'll just probably be an ongoing series that I'll do every now and then. Uh, That's a break from the regular show. The idea actually came to me last night when I woke up at like 3 in the morning to take a piss. Okay, I don't know why. I'm like zombie- you know, walk into the bathroom, take a piss. And as I'm, I swear to God, this is totally true. As I'm, (laughs) as I'm peeing, I like was thinking about this. I don't know why I must have been dreaming something I I thought of reminisces of a crypto operator. And I thought, Oh, that would be fun. So we're doing it. You don't you don't fade your 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 dream intuition. Okay. You gotta follow the middle of the night inspiration, right? So that's uh that's what we're gonna do today. So we'll see how it goes. And you guys give me feedback if you like it or not. Um, like I said, it won't be normal. This will just be every now and then. But uh speaking of dream intuition, that's kind of where I wanted to start off. I was thinking, okay, if I was just gonna talk about like trading principles and all that, where would I start? Like I was kind of thinking, if I was you know, trying to, I guess, explain to somebody, uh, because a question, a question I do get a lot, like, you know, in DMs or whatever, or on Discord, actually, let me say real quick before we get into it, Uh, if you're not in the Discord, it's been going well, we launched it like a week and a half ago or so now, Um, it's been great, been posting updates there daily, so if you do want to get coins and stuff, Hop in the Discord. I'll still be giving coins on the show, obviously. But uh, day-to-day updates, market thoughts, new coins that I'm playing, on-chain stuff, stuff that I don't necessarily think is, you know, want to post on Twitter. Uh, but it all goes in the Discord. If you want to get in the Discord, it's partnered with Bybit. So sign up with my Bybit link, which is in the description, and DM me on Twitter with a screenshot of the deposit page showing you made a deposit with the Bybit link, and you will get in. It's free doesn't cost anything. Just got to sign up with Bybit. So, shout out Bybit for sponsoring the show. So, yeah, so how I came with this concept or or I guess or, or sorry, what I what I thought about for this concept is like if I was going to explain to people who like ask me different questions of like how do you find a trade? What's a good trade? Like how do you just basically anything and everything that has to do with trading. Um I thought, okay, well, I'll just kind of explain the thought process. And so, the first thing that I wanted to talk about, that in my opinion is like the most important thing above everything else, and is the hardest thing to develop and learn, but is the thing that pretty much every great trader that I know and have talked to say the same thing is that you have to develop your gut and you have to develop your intuition and instinct, whatever whatever you wanna call it. I like gut, it's a very very clean, visceral word, but you know, the, the instinct, the intuition, the subconscious analysis, whatever you wanna to refer to it as. The gut in trading is the most important thing. Um, and it's also the thing that takes the longest to develop, and unfortunately, there's not really any shortcuts to developing a gut. Um, it, the way I think about it is like, for example, if I were to like, – like here's a good analogy. Okay, um, I'm going to use a sports analogy because I think a lot of people understand sports. Whether you like sports or not, you understand the basics of, of, of how sports work, right? So when you're, when you're an athlete, when you think about like a high-level professional athlete, there's so much that goes into what makes them good right? There's so many little things and little details that they've practiced and worked on throughout the years. But in the moment, they're not thinking about those things. Like, like a good analogy of this is, um, does anybody remember, you guys remember this show called Sports Science that used to be, like, kind of popular back in the day? Um, And essentially, it was, like, this guy who would, like, take some famous athlete, like a uh, LeBron James or whatever, and they would like explain all the little things that they do, and it would be like you know, for example, it'd be like, say Lebron James like you know splits the the defenders and dunks the basketball right? Well, they would be like, well LeBron James moved at a at a at a it moved his shoulders to a to a, a thirty degree angle facing his opponent, and then he he angled down, and pushed forward with the basketball. And he pushed off his back foot, launching himself forward within, you know, a tenth of a second, not giving his defender a chance to respond, and then getting past him. So, And then by the time he's on the way to the basket, he's moving so fast that he's able to launch himself with a velocity of whatever miles per hour and dunk the basketball with this ferocity of, oh, I know, it would be like all these things, right? And they would give you like all the little details, his, his angular momentum with his thrusting his back foot towards the basket, dunking the basketball at 200 miles an hour. Okay, cool. But that's all fine and great. But like LeBron James isn't thinking any of those things. He's not thinking about how he's placing his foot or angling his shoulder towards the defender or any of those things, right? Not in the moment, at least. What he's doing is he has this subconscious analysis where he's able to see within a split second, analyze the court, where are all the defenders, where's my defender positioned, where am I positioned? And he has the mental timing in his head because he's run and dunked the basketball so many times he knows exactly how long it's going to take him to get to the basket. And he can, in a split second, do this calculation of saying, can I get past my defender and go dunk the basketball before the defense has a time to react, right? Is he doing all these calculations in real time? No, of course not. It's all like subconscious. It's all gut, right? He just knows, okay, I can do it. Or if the defender was positioned a little differently, no, I can't try that right now. He's gonna be able to stop me, right? And so the same concept applies to trading. There are lots of, like this is why when you have beginner traders, they all obsess over like tools and indicators and all these like analytics suites and all this type of stuff, right? And they're like, oh, look at this pattern on the chart. It's making a. a they try to memorize all the, the the rising wedge, the falling whatever, the the digi doku, what all this crap, right? And, and some of it's valid and I'm not saying that you can't use those things in fact you probably should um especially in the beginning but like or like same thing with like oh the the people the other aspect would be like you know people say oh well look at the open interest doing this you have net longs doing this net shorts doing this you got a liquidation here you got all this stuff you have spot push over here you have all these things all these data points all these analytics and that's all great. And I'm not saying that those things aren't useful. They certainly are. Uh, another classic thing that you see uh, the majority of people do is they try to find like the magic indicator. This this weekly moving average, this, uh, the Ichimoku cloud, the what, like there's a million indicators, right? There's a million indicators that people will use. And this is my magic indicator. And it's not to say that any one of those is bad or good or anything like that. And it's not to say that lots of trader good traders don't use those indicators. But it's that ultimately, those tools are only as good as the operator, right? The the, uh, you know, it's like, the chef needs a sharp knife. But if you give me a sharp knife, I'm not going to make you a, a, a Michelin star meal, right? Of course, The chef wants the best tools at his disposal, but hey, if you threw the chef in some like subpar kitchen with minimal resources, he's still going to be able to make a bunch of good food, right? And so so the point is that all these things are helpful and they help you learn, but really the goal is that you're going to spend a lot of time looking at a million indicators, a million chart patterns, a million different data points for a long time and you're going to just kind of build it into your subconscious. And you're going to, at some point, not really need these tools as much, you'll still reference them, you'll still look at them, you'll still kind of see what's going on. But a lot of times, you're very much just kind of subconsciously taking in data points, right? You're, 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 you're reading some article. You're looking at some. Uh, you're looking at, at the RSI. You're looking at the pattern the candles are making. You're whatever, right? You're looking at the spot buying on the order flow, right? All, all these things, and they come into your. But 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 when you get better, they start getting into your subconscious, right? And your subconscious is doing the analyzing for you, right? In the same way, back to the to the LeBron analogy of like, I'm sure there are times where he has thought about like, okay, you know, let me practice moving forward and like foot placement and footwork. Like that's things they do, like basketball players do practice. They practice footwork, they practice, you know, all types of things, right? But in the game, they're not doing that. In the game, they're not thinking about what they're doing. They're just instinctually doing it. And so that that's the gut. That's that's the thing that you just have to... There's no shortcut. It's just like time on the screen, right? You just need to be, you know, staring at charts and absorbing data points for a long time and understanding and reflecting on, okay, there are all these data points that I saw and then I thought this was going to happen and something else happened. So let me go back and think about what happened here. Why was I wrong? Or the same thing. Okay, I got all these data points and it made me think okay we're going to go up right why did i think that why was i right you know and was i lucky was it just by chance or is this something that i see as repeatable right okay well next time this happens i'm going to i'm going to take this i'm gonna, next time i see these pattern of data points i'm going to i'm going to mentally note that or literally note that in a, in a journal and try to see what happens next time you know or obviously you can go back and backtest and say okay so When I when I see like the RSI doing this and a and a candle that looks like this, like historically has that happened before? Let me go back and look, right? And so it's just this process of like over and over and over again, repetition that is going to make you develop that gut. Because then you get to a point where like you kind of stop using a lot of this stuff because a lot of it the problem is that you 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 can easily 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 confuse yourself right there's like this meme on on twitter that me and my friends have joked about where it's like this meme video of one of these one of these like trading gurus and he's like the macd is doing this the rsi is coiling up the what and and like he's the the 50 week moving average is uh got touched or whatever and and uh, it's kind of a joke because like people are making fun of this guy for being like some trading guru. But actually, honestly, the guy is right in the video because what he says in the video is he's basically saying you have like three indicators that are telling you three different things. And he's like, this is how traders get confused. And it's true, right? Because all, uh, the indicators and all that, they're going to help you a little bit. They're going to give you data points. But ultimately, it's up to your gut to absorb all these data points and be able to tell you what you should do and that just only comes through time on screens time analyzing time time just in the market right I actually have a I have a, I have a joke of like uh, you know there's this there's a saying that they say time in the market is better than timing the market right and that's referred to like oh TradFi, buy and hold index funds don't try to trade and all that that's bullshit, by the way. Timing the market far superior to timing the market. They tell it to the average pleb because they suck at trading and they get wrecked. But there's no actual trader who's going to tell you it's trading is all about timing the market. So that's that's bullshit. But anyways, um, my version of time in the market is better than timing the market is that you see this a lot where you have so many people who are around when things are good and things are hot and things are moving. And they're quote unquote timing the market with their arrival of oh things are hot I'm gonna pay attention again, and then the th- second things slow down and cool off they stop paying attention again, right? The second it's the market's not exciting they disappear. well my version is time in the market is better than timing the market, right? You need to be here when it's boring. You need to be here when things are not. When we're chopping around, you need to be constantly here absorbing these data points. You need to be seeing the sentiment. You need to be analyzing all these things because that's how you're going to get better. That's how you're going to develop that gut because you're just – if your, your brain is a pretty it, – it, incredible thing in terms of if you're just always like obsessing over something if you're always thinking about markets you're always looking at charts all day you're always looking at data points all day you're always thinking about markets you're always you know reading about markets whatever listening to podcasts about markets this is like oh if you're just obsessed right your brain is going to get pretty fucking good at analyzing markets right at least if you're not if you're not dumb <laughs> yeah some people they're a bit of a lost cause. But for the most part, most of you, you know, my the the daily bread listeners, okay? We're, we're smart guys, okay? We're we're cut from a different cloth. All right. We're, we we we've got that mental edge over everybody else, okay? But it's time in the market. And um and and and, and so cuz you see so many and you even see good traders fall for this, right? A lot of good traders, they it's it's natural, right? It's like the market gets boring for a while and it sucks. And you're just like less interested and you're like, ah, I'll come back when it's when it's better. And there are like good traders who have been doing it for a long time who can get away with that, right? If you're already a very successful trader and you made tons of money and you've done this many times, you can kind of get away with taking like – reasonable breaks and coming back and getting back and do it pretty quickly but for the most part most of us you should not be doing that right that doesn't mean don't take a break but like take a week or two off don't take three months off right that's the mistake that people make people will take three months off from the market and then all of a sudden they see a rally happening and they jump in and it's like you're it does like think about any skill in life right? It's like there's no skill in the world where you're going to take three months off from doing it and then just pick it back up like you had just done it yesterday while you're also competing against a bunch of other people who have been here the whole time because trading is the ultimate global competition, right? You are constantly fighting against absolute savages who would love nothing more than to take all of your money and your job is to a first of all at least not let them take yours and b take theirs right that's what trading is it's the uh it's the modern gladiatorial arena okay that's what trading is and so you have to be in that mindset and if i was to tell you this like because a lot of people they don't appreciate the stakes right especially when you're you're newer you don't appreciate the stakes because you haven't gotten enough you know, gut punches and beatings yet to really appreciate how fucking brutal trading is, right? You kind of get it, but it's like you haven't until you've taken those huge losses and those huge drawdowns, and you're like, what the hell did I just do, right? And it's only when you've done that and honestly done that multiple times that you really get like an appreciation for it. You know, if I was to tell you that you are a cage fighter, and that you're gonna take three months off without sparring, without practicing, without training, anything, and then three months from now, you're gonna get back in the ring with a guy who has been training and sparring for three months, you're gonna get your ass kicked, right? And you would say, I'm not doing that, that's crazy. You say, I'm gonna get my ass beat, I'm not doing that. But you'll do that with trading, right? And and so that's my point, that that time in the market Time on the screen, time analyzing, thinking, processing the market is what goes to making you better. Trading, trading is a skill like anything else. Trading is a skill and it's something that takes time to develop, right? It's no different than like it's, like, it's like Malcolm Gladwell's like 10,000 hours, right? It's like, that's always funny to me is like he had like, like people talk about like Malcolm Gladwell, like what was it? Outliers is the book. I no shade on Malcolm Gladwell, I mean, you know, well, anyways, anyways, they, he has this thing of like 10,000 hours, right? This is like this thing you hear, it's like, okay, it takes 10,000 hours to be a master. And it's like, okay, well, no shit. Y'all really? You spend 10,000 hours doing something, you're going to get good at it? Wow. Wow. Thank you, Malcolm Gladwell. I never would have, never would have thought of that. Wow. Spend, you mean if I spend a lot of time doing something, I'm going to get good at it? Ooh. Anyways, I like Malcolm, oh, I don't, I mean, I don't really like Malcolm Gladwell anymore, I used to like him, but then he kind of like, he's one of those where like, he had a couple good hits, and then, you know, he's been downhill, he's been, he's been chasing the dragon ever since, he hasn't, he hasn't been that guy in a while, I've been off, I was out of the Malcolm Gladwell, uh, I sold my stock, I sold my shares like years ago, okay, and I think other people are catching up, but anyways, that's not the point, the point is, that book, Outliers, talked about like, okay, these are like the greatest people in the world at whatever they do. Uh, you know, If it's a violinist or a chef or a whatever, I forget the example he uses in a book. doesn't matter. You gotta spend a lot of time doing something to get good at it. We all know that. It's no secret. It's just most of us are too lazy or whatever to do it. And trading's no different. Trading is a skill and you need to spend the time doing it, right? And the other thing is that there's the the one thing I'll say that's valuable of that book is I forget what he calls it. It's like conscious training or conscious effort or whatever. There's a term for it. Um, I forget the, the term. I haven't looked at this. I, I never read the book. I just like seen the summary. But um, what is it called? It's like, oh, intentional practice, I think is what it's called. But anyways, the idea is that it's not enough to just like passively do something. Like you'll get better at something, uh, passively doing it up to like a point. But if you want to really master it and get good at it, you have to like intentionally practice, right? So if you're a whatever back to a basketball player, right? I say basketball because that's like my my sport that I played growing up. But it's like if you want to get better, it's like yeah, you can play a lot of basketball games, and obviously you're gonna get better, but you're only going to get it better to a certain point. You need to also do like shooting drills, dribbling drills, right? You need to practice dribbling with your offhand a lot. You need to practice, do like all that type of stuff, right? Intentional practice. And in trading, it's the same thing, right? So in trading, if you want to get better, it's like, well, you need to spend time like saying, okay, I'm going to focus on like this specific area of trading. I'm going to focus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study chart path, like for the next... For the next month, I'm just really, really going to hone in on, like, chart patterns. And how I'm going to do that, like, a good way I'll give you to practice that is, frankly, take a small amount of money and just basically uh, trade uh, on low timeframes, right? Because when you do that, you're going to pick it up. Just try to be a scalper on low timeframes. Don't worry about, like, act- I mean, obviously try to make money. But, like, don't really worry about making money. Just worry about... Am I getting better? Am I identifying things? Try to process the mental patterns. Because that's one of the things that really helped me is that I'm not a very good scalper. In fact, I would say I'm a mediocre to below average scalper, right? I'm not very good. Um, It's not my bread and butter. It's not something I really do to make money. I'll do it occasionally for a quick trade if I see something really obvious. But I'm not one of these guys who's sitting at the computer scalping all day. It's not my game. And there's people who are really good at that. It's not me. But... Doing that for a while, right, and at least trying to get good at it, even though I wasn't, helped me in my other trading aspect, in in other trading areas. Because when you're just sitting there all day for hours, staring at the chart, getting in and out of trades, trying to see, okay, what's going on here, and you can, this is when you can try out different indicators, you can do whatever, and you're just trying to, mostly, in my opinion, it's it's best for just there's and it's kind of like the like I said, with the chart patterns, right? People have these like these hand guides or whatever, where it's like, this is a a rising wedge. And this is whatever. it's like, a head and shoulders, whatever. Um, You're going to get really good at subconsciously identifying that stuff. And you don't even need like to call them those things. I don't even know most of the chart pattern names, I can just like, look at a chart now and be like, Oh, that looks good. That looks bad. That's probably gonna do this It's probably gonna do that. Right. And that just came from like, you know, a thousand hours of trying to and failing at scalping, right? And so that's like one example. Um, another example would be like on shitcoins. It's like go just with you know no like just small amount of money. Just take fucking a hundred bucks and go try to buy make money on shitcoins. Okay, uh, and and you know if you lose it you lose it. Whatever, who cares? If you make money, cool. But like just go shitcoining and try to buy them and sell them and see the the you're going to recognize buy and sell patterns. And with shitcoin it's interesting because you can literally see like all of the order flow on chain on dex screener, right? You can see like all the transactions and stuff. And and there's things that you pick up over time just from doing it a lot, right? And so there's a million things like that. And you should also it depends it, it and it depends on like your your trading niche, right? Like I would say my my main niche is like there's kind of like two or three things I like. My main thing is like, I like on-chain stuff. That's always what I've been best at. Um, that's what makes me the most money. And even still now, like even when I get away with from it, I always come back to like on-chain plays. That's like my bread and butter. Um, but like, you know, I also do swing trades. I would say that would be like my other swing trades and then like catalyst trades. Um, and so it's like, how do I get better at like on-chain stuff? It's like, well, have you ever read Docs before? Because most of you've never read docs. And yeah, reading docs is kind of a meme. But like you should go be reading medium articles and docs and all this stuff and and listening to uh, like the discord calls and all this stuff of these projects because you need to, develop an understanding of one just like how these protocols work how does it how does like how do all these different DeFi mechanisms work right most new people they have no idea how a liquidity pool works they have no idea how any of these type of uh, DeFi mechanisms work, and it's like that's like forget trying to make money on anything. Go learn all that shit first, right? Because if you don't understand that stuff, you're gonna get screwed because you're not gonna understand the mechanics. It's like, oh, is this token highly inflationary and high and 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 doing crazy emissions, but there's some type of lockup so the chart isn't showing that. But then. Oh, I just realized that a bunch of people got in the pre-sale of this or have been farming this, whatever, and they locked for like 14 days. And so the chart looks really good, but all of this unlocks in like two days. You know, stuff like that, that it's just like you don't even know to look for that until you've just been around the block a lot, you know? And that and that's that's the type of thing where it's like you need to be, you need to be like really in the trenches reading that stuff to get better at it. So it's just practice. It's a skill. It, like anything else, it's a skill. It's, it's practice. And that's how you develop your gut. And that's how you develop edge over time. And you're going to get to a point where you're going to just start having a feel and an intuition for the market. Um, and, and that's it. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. There's no, I can't really explain it because it's just like you either know it or you don't. You either have it or you don't, right? And, and the only way you're gonna get it is, is through practice. So that's kind of the first part is, is developing developing that gut, right? get a drink first. So I don't want to make this too long. That was about half hour roughly. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and this kind of leads off of what I was just saying, is finding your edge. There's a million ways to make money in in, in markets, and you're not really going to know what suits you until you try a bunch of stuff, right? So like I said, I tried scalping a lot, and it's not that I can't make money scalping. It's that I'm not nearly as good at it as a lot of other people, and it's not the thing that kind of suits – me best there are some people i know that are like you know they they take their adderall they drink their monster they're like tweaked out at the computer and they're just there all day long right and they'll take 200 trades a day and they make money doing that and they're great at it that's not me that's not me i'm not good at that right but i have certain things that other people don't have which is a i i would say my personal strength is honestly temperament um, I'm very, very even headed and this is like, not just in trading, this is like in all of my life, I've always been like, like, I remember, um, reading, uh, Tyler Cowen, if you guys know who that is, uh, he's like, uh, economist, whatever, but he talked about this. I used to read his blog, Marginal Revolution uh, is what it's called back in the day if anyone else has read him. But I, I remember he said one thing one time that always resonated with me because I was like, I remember I was reading it like I was probably a teenager when I read this, but he said, um, I always was jealous of other people because they, I could see other people like felt joy in ways that I didn't. And he was kind of he talked about it like emotional amplitude, right? Amplitude being like on a, on a wave. The higher the amplitude, the 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 higher the uh, I forget I haven't haven't studied this in a long time. But basically, the higher the uh, whatever the, the 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 bigger the wave, the lower the amplitude, the tighter the wave, right? Uh, math people don't 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 crucify me, okay? studied math a long time okay anyways so he talked about emotional amplitude and he said i have a much tighter emotional amplitude than a lot of other people meaning i don't feel the peaks of happiness and joy that a lot of other people do But I also don't have the deep sorrow and anger and, you know, negative side of emotion that other people do. And so there's like pros and cons to that. And I related to that really, really hard. And I'm sure a lot of you probably do too, if you're kind of in this world, where it's like, I'm someone who my personality is like, I'm very cool headed, it takes a lot for me to get like angry. And even when I get angry, it's like not anywhere close to the rage I've seen in other people, right? The other side is unfortunately, kind of a little depressing, but <laughs> I don't feel like joy and happiness like other people do in this. Sen- like I'll feel happy and content, but I don't feel like, like I've never like, you know, when you see like videos online or whatever, people like jumping for joy, and they're so excited and so happy. It's like, I've never had that. Maybe when I was a little kid, but like never in my like teenager, adult years did I ever feel that right. And uh, the point of that is that it's in trading. I've I've recognized that that's one of my advantages that I see. I mean, you see this on on tw- Twitter is like a great uh uh, uh like example of what i mean which is like see how much people's emotions change and flip-flop on every little price move that that bitcoin or eth do right it's like you'll see people constantly like oh i'm so mega bullish and then we like you know go down for like four hours and like oh it's over embarrassed right and they'll just flip-flop and it's like it's like they can't help themselves you know and it's like the advantage that i have is that I never get, like, euphoric bearish. I'm always, like... Or, I'm sorry, euphoric bullish. I'm always, like... Like, I'll be bullish. Like, I'm fully capable of being, like, you know, bull whatever. But within a... Within a reason. Within, like... Okay, I'm very bullish. But if this happens, I'm no longer bullish. Right? And the same thing. Like, I'm bearish. I think we're going down. But if this happens and invalidates me, I'm bullish. Back to being bullish again, right? So, like... I just have more emotional temperament, and I just always have than most people. And so I've realized that on higher time frame trading and going through swings and all this stuff, I just have more temperament. That's why when FTX is collapsing, I'm able to come on here and be like, yeah, I think it's time to buy. When everyone's like, crypto's done forever, come back in a year, don't even bother trading this, we're so screwed. Same thing like USDC. USDC was tough. USDC was really tough, but... Saturday night after the Friday night DPEG of USDC and all that day Saturday, we're like, what's going to happen with Circle? Is Circle screwed? I was buying, right? And it's like, because I have like more emotional temperament than most people, right? And so I realized that's my skill. But I don't have the skill, like I said, of, of a lot of other things. I don't have the 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 quant skill necessarily. I don't have the like I said, the scalping skill of being able to just like da 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 And where I'll say I don't have like as much emotional temperament is on scalping. Like one thing that I found was bad for me is when I'm scalping and it's like you know, because when you're scalping, you're just looking for small ups like small gains and losses the second something would turn against me especially cuz you know most of the time I'm scalping you're kind of using leverage and stuff it's like i would get flustered and be like oh no should i close this should i not? Uh, uh, you know and so on the lower time frames i just didn't really have that like emotional temperament that i can have on the higher time frame bigger picture thing right and so you just have to realize your personality and so you're only going to you're only going to find that through trying different shit frankly um, some of you, like other people, like I get another example within like like DeFi. There are some people who are like great farmers, okay? they They love, like they don't really make directional bets on altcoins and stuff. They just are like really deep in the trenches with their ETH stack or stablecoin stack. And they're just going and finding the best farms and farming these tokens and then moving on to the next, right? And they make a killing doing that. I do a little bit of that here and there depending if it's a good opportunity. But mostly I don't farm. Mostly I'm like taking directional bets on chain. Um, and so that's – but that's like another skill. And there's like a whole like, industry of people within DeFi that do that and do that really, really well. And no, I like talking to those people for like – because they have good insight on a lot of things that I don't pay attention to. But it's not my game. Right, I tried it for a while. That was actually one of the things when I first got into DeFi, like two years ago, that I was try- I was like only farming. I was like, I'm not gonna buy coins. I'm only going to try to farm things and make money doing that way. Um, and it just didn't really suit me that well, you know. I was just kind of like, uh, it just wasn't for me. So you just gotta find. You gotta find the thing that 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 suits you. And so for me, um, what I have found that suits me best in terms of trading is I kind of look for two things if I'm going to make a trade. Um, the two, the, My main two things are information and momentum. Okay, And I pretty much, a great trade for me is if I have good information and this thing has momentum. And a good but not great trade is something where I have information but the coin doesn't have momentum. Or the coin has momentum, but I don't necessarily have like good information on it. So what do I mean by that? So information, let's talk about that. Information, and this is, if there's one thing you take away from this video, it should be this. Well, the gut thing is important too, but this is like the tactical shit. Information is the, in my opinion, most important thing in crypto trading. Maybe in regular trading too, but in crypto trading... It's all about information, right? It's like the famous one. If you've ever seen Wall Street, Gordon Gecko, uh, go watch it if you haven't. It's a great movie. But he's talking, he there's a the I always remember he's like telling Charlie, Michael Douglas is telling Charlie Sheen, he's like, information, right? He's like, all I care about is information. Now, obviously, in the movie, it's about inside information and all that. But the thing with crypto is in crypto, you do not need – trust me, there is obviously plenty of insider information and it's kind of gray what is insider versus not. And that's true in normal finance too. But you don't even need insider information in crypto to succeed. In fact, I really don't – have much insider information if any at all like an, an example of like insider information that i think is like very blatant would be like um say there's like a binance listing coming up for some token right and you know you happen to know somebody who knows somebody that is on the binance listing team or whatever and you know typically when a coin gets listed on a binance it's gonna rip like 30 percent and you know about that ahead of time. And so you open some 20X levered long an hour before the listing happens, and then you make a bunch of money. That is like insider information, right? That's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, and I'm not, or I'm saying that's not the type of information that you need to make money. Like that is, that is like wrong, and you'll probably get in trouble for that. Okay. So don't do that. Um, the real like information that I'm talking about is just stuff that you can find. But very few people make the effort to do. Um, The reason I like, and this is back to the most important thing you can take from this episode. This is it. Crypto, fortunately for us, is still a very, very immature market. Okay? And because of that, there are not sophisticated, or there are few, I should say, few sophisticated players in crypto. So, right now. And, and it hasn't really, changed. I mean, it's been the case for years now. I don't know at what point that changes. Now, there are more sophisticated players than there used to be, but at least I would say for the next couple of years, you're still going to have an opportunity for asymmetric information just because there are so few sophisticated players in this market. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's look at stocks as an example. In the stock market, if you're, you know trying to trade any of the top 1000 2000 maybe even more stocks in the United States by market cap there's pretty much no informational edge that you're going to gain besides illegal infor- in illegal insider information right um, because what's the type of information that you can get you know, on a stock well okay there's there're SEC filings right You can read all their their 10Ks and all that stuff. You can so you want to you know, and this is how you make your DCFs and you make your spreadsheets and all this crap. You make all these things. You make all your models, and then you listen to their you know their earnings calls. And then a lot of these companies they have like investor days or or shareholder meetings and all this stuff. And you can go to them or listen to them or stream them online, whatever. And and there's all this information that they have, and that's like. Important to know if you're if you're an investor, like say you're a, you're an analyst or you work at a fund or whatever, or maybe you're a sell side analyst, whatever, uh, in TradFi. Um, but the thing with all that stuff is it's like table stakes, right? It's like you have to be keeping up with all those things, just as like your base your base level of knowledge and information in order to have an informed trade, right? If you work in TradFi and you work at some fund, you might have a list of 20, 30, 40, 50 companies, whatever, that you're in charge of like keeping up with all this shit, right? You're supposed to read all their quarterly filings. You're supposed to you know, listen in on all their earnings calls and take all your notes and do all that stuff. But you're not going to find anything that's like unique in that because there's so many other people doing it, right? It's, it's a huge market and there's not really any asymmetry there. In crypto, however... There is a ton of information asymmetry, right? From public knowledge, right? So few people read docs of projects. So few people are going onto the mediums of these projects and reading the medium articles they're putting out. So few people are going into their Discord and asking questions. You can go into Discords of projects and just ask questions, and a lot of times someone from the team is going to answer them. They might have say like, "Oh, we can't answer that yet," whatever, but. A lot of times you can get a lot of good information just by like going in a Discord and asking things that are like not secret or anything, or just asking for clarification on things or whatever. There's so much public info that you can find because there's the thing is that in crypto, there are so many projects and so many new ones coming out all the time, too, and so few sophisticated players that there's not enough sophisticated players to match the amount of like alpha and information that there is to be had. And so because of that, you can get, you know, this is what I mean when I say get in the trenches, is like you need to be going in and reading all this shit and going, listening to the Twitter space with 20 people. You know, I listen all the time. I'll hop into Twitter space of some project and there's 20 people in there listening. Okay. And they're given like tons of fucking valuable information about their plans and what they're going to do and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, there's like 20 people in here listening. Right. And some of it, like, obviously, listen, I'm not saying that you always need to read the docs of projects and all this stuff. Right. And I know that to a certain point, some of it's like a meme. But especially if you're starting out, you need to be doing this. Okay. Because this is like, The easiest way that you can gain an edge and find that next 10, 20, 30 Xer that's going to put your portfolio in a position where you can build on top of it for real, okay, just through public information asymmetry, okay? That's all you should be focused on. So that's the information part. And there's a networking part. I'll get to that in a second, but I want to talk about the momentum side too. So that's like number one. So number one is – for me, of my two main things that I look for is, do I have some good information on this? Do I just like know about some protocol that's tiny and has like cool shit they're developing that a lot of people are not talking about? Like and, uh, uh, here's a trick for you, very simple. If I su- find some project that I like and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, I'll take their ticker and I'll search it on Twitter and if I don't see a lot of people talking about it or I see a lot of tweets from maybe tiny accounts or you know tweets that have like five likes on them, that tells me, okay, I'm pretty early and people aren't talking about this yet, right? So that's, that's the type of thing. Or you join the Discord and there's a few hundred people in there or whatever, right? Like That's the type of stuff that you want to see if you're like early and people don't know about what this protocol is doing yet. Um, governance forums is another one. So few people read governance forums. That's like one of the easiest, easiest, like alpha out there things that there is still is that so few people read governance forums. You can find what all these protocols are proposing and planning for the future publicly, right? It's not a secret. It's just so few people pay attention to read that stuff. Um, so that's what I mean by information is do I have information that I realize? okay, not a lot of people know about this yet. That's number one. Number two is momentum, okay? Crypto is a number-go-up game. There's nothing that is better marketing or gets more attention for a protocol than number-go-up, right? We all know this. Very plain and simple. I am very much a momentum trader, okay? I love momentum trading. It's my favorite type of trading, but it's hard when, you, when you're, when you like, getting into it. Because it's very scary to buy something that's up a lot and have the balls to basically say, okay, I know this thing's up like whatever. It could be up 3x in the last like two weeks, but I'm going to buy it anyways, okay? That's hard to do. Most people don't do that. Hell, most people don't do that after a 10, 20% pump, let alone like a, a double or a triple, okay? But in crypto especially, because crypto is such a game of momentum, buying momentum is probably the most positive ev thing to do in crypto it's everybody's obsessed with catching bottoms and all this stuff and don't get me wrong i try to do that too but buying momentum is one of the the highest ev things because the reason i like momentum is you typically have like a clear invalidation, right so you can see a trend and this is all like basic stuff you can go search on youtube like momentum trading you know reading a trending chart all that stuff you see a trend, you see momentum, you can see, you know, buys coming in, like a good sample is like, um, and this is very evident on, on small caps is like, okay, if there's like a, say something doubles, say, say you have some market five mil market cap token, okay, and it doubles to 10. And then it doubles to 10. And then it pulls back like 20 30% back to like, eight, seven mil market cap, because a lot of people who bought it like two, three, four million are cashing out after getting a three, two or three X, right? How fast does that dip get bought up, right? It pulls back 20, 30%. Do all of a sudden you see a ton of people buying it right back up to that 10 mil mark? Is it right back up to the high really fast? Okay, well that tells you there's a lot of demand for this thing and there were a lot of people on this high lanes waiting for a dip. So that means the momentum is probably gonna continue, right? This is like basic stuff that you learn from staring at this stuff all the time and and that's back to the gut thing of like i can just like you can you learn to feel a chart and be like damn this thing just has it's just a monster like it just doesn't stop you know it has these dips but it just gets eaten up right that is like one of the easiest things to buy and it's scary when you've never done it but once you start practicing that man it is the easiest way to make money in crypto in my opinion so momentum is like the other thing I like. So the great trade for me, and I, I'll give an example of this uh, recently. Give you two um, that I that I that I played. I mentioned Ush on a previous episode, and uh, Theo was another one that I mentioned in in the Discord. Joined the Discord. Um, they were both basically. I had good information on them because. I, knew, I, I had read all their shit. I had talked to other friends about them and they were solid projects that I saw that were very, very undervalued, right? And I had like, I talked to other people about them and they were like, yeah, 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 these, this is undervalued. And they had momentum, okay? They started going up and they didn't stop going up. And when they would go down, the dips would get eaten, okay? And those things were great trades for me in the last couple of weeks, okay? That's the type of thing where that's a great trade, I have good information and the coin has momentum. So if I have that, I gotta take that trade. Now, there may be cases where there's just some hot coin and I don't necessarily have the time to read all the stuff about it and learn all about it. I just gotta ape it and let it ride. And then if the momentum dies, get out with my invalidation, right? That's like very basic crypto trading 101. You know, I'm sure a lot of you guys understand that. Um, And then the other side is if I have information good information and conviction in the information I have, but the coin doesn't have momentum. So an example of this would be for me, like Aura and Premia on this channel that I've talked about a ton. Uh, Aura for a long time, I was like, listen, people aren't paying attention to the bribes that they're collecting. They're paying all these bribes to token holders. I can just own this thing, even though it's chopping around and not really going up and collect bribes and at some point people are going to pick up and say oh my god this thing is totally undervalued uh like and, and big yield farmers are going to come in and and buy this token up and that happened eventually right premia finance is another that i've talked about a lot that still hasn't moved it's been in this like 60 cent to a dollar range for a long time but i have a conviction in the information that i have about premia that is that they are going to be the best options platform decentralized options platform in in crypto and i have the conviction that i think in the same way we've had this big surge of perpetual uh uh decentralized perp dexes right pop up you have all these big ones that have gone gone crazy in the last 6 months to a year i have conviction that we will see the same thing happen with decentralized options uh, trading platforms. And in my opinion, based on the information that I have, that I've researched, I think Premier will be the best one. So even though it doesn't have momentum and I've been holding this thing and slowly buying more over months without it really going up or making any money on it, I'll still hold it and still keep buying it despite it not having momentum, right? But in most cases, I don't do that, right? It has to be really high conviction on my information for me to do that. In most cases, I don't like to buy without any momentum because I always think I could just buy later. And even with premia, part of my plan is like I have a bag of it, but you know, there's a there's a there's a opportunity cost with keeping my capital locked up with that. So I have a certain amount of it in case it like starts ripping, and I have a good amount. But for me, it's like okay, if it starts breaking up past a dollar, a dollar twenty, dollar thirty, then I'm gonna like take more of my portfolio that I trade with other things and move it over towards premia and play the momentum on it once it has momentum right? So that's like my bread and butter. Information, momentum. And in my opinion, that's one of the best ways to make money in crypto. That's one of the ways that a lot of people make money in crypto because you can really multiply a portfolio really fast when you get good at this. Now, you're going to lose a lot of money for a while and not be good at it. But you know, again, that's part of the practice, part of the training and all that. So that's that's what I got for you. There's more stuff I want to uh, talk about, but we are uh, about an hour in now. So I think I will wrap it here as the first episode of Reminisces of a Crypto Operator. Let me know what you guys think about this. Uh, Like I said, this will just be an occasional series probably uh, where I just talk about more principles and, you know. Tactics and whatever about trading uh, this one was like the first so we're a little more broad talking about gut whatever future ones will probably be a little more Tactical uh, and like a little more specific And uh, yeah, so anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed if you did make sure to subscribe on YouTube like 80% of, of viewers are not subscribed, so please subscribe if you're not we need to we need to get those numbers up and uh, like I said if you want to join the discord uh, just sign up with Bybit. Shoot me a screenshot of the deposit page as a DM on Twitter. My Twitter and Bybit are both in the description. Thanks so much for watching, guys. I will see you next time.